0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, no special announcements, so let's just jump right in and see what we got. Pre-orders are now open for Sega Genesis Collector's Editions of a bunch of shooters from the company Toa Plan. The games Truxton, Zero Wing, Fire Shark, and Hellfire are all going to be available. Or you could purchase them all together as one single bundle and, I guess, save a few bucks if you were planning on buying all four anyway. Um, these cartridges themselves were designed and verified by Rene from DB Electronics, so guaranteed to run at the right voltage and not have a flat edge, they will have beveled edges, which in my opinion is probably these days the the most important thing to worry about, because without beveled edges you could really smash up your cartridge ports. Anybody that used a Sega Saturn that's had a bunch of action replays go through it know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, And it also seems that the rest of the package is going to have the same attention to detail. They have those cool inserts that are PAL on one side and NTSC on the other. Um, They all come with color manuals and uh, a bunch of other cool things. The the full list of everything is both in the description and, of course, in the the sales description and all that as well. So I have links to all of them right here, and I mean, I think I'm at least going to pick up Zero Wing just because of the notoriety of the game, and it did always seem kind of fun, but uh, this is definitely, it looks like something pretty cool that any Sega Genesis fan might want to consider who likes using original cartridge and all that stuff. It looks like Nintendo has officially discontinued making any 3DS hardware, including the 2DS line as well. And this marks the first time since, I believe, before the Game Boy was released that they only have one flagship product out. Now, of course, they have a, a ton of accessories and toys and all that other stuff that they're selling. I just mean one flagship console that they're getting behind. Um, now, I believe the eShop for the 3DS will still be open, at least for the foreseeable future, probably through uh, the uh, holiday season, I would guess, because there's still quite a large install base of the 3DS. However, i do I do believe the e shops had closed in a few regions already so the probably days are the days are probably numbered for that as well and I'm interested to see what this means. Does that mean that another version of the Switch, which a lot of us had probably been hoping for, is coming out soon? Um, are they going to only concentrate on that? I'm kind of interested to see what their plans for the future are. But um, overall, it was a very cool product. And you could still pick them up new because there's still stock of them. And there's even still some some like uh, collector's editions of the hardware floating around out there for expensive, but probably not as expensive as they're going to be in a year or so. Uh, So I guess if you were looking to pick one up new or pick up another one just to kind of have, now might be the time to consider doing it. But uh, once again, I'm just kind of interested to see what Nintendo is going to do next with their hardware. Pre-orders are now open for Sega Saturn Model 2 cartridge shells that come in a few different colors, uh, clear and purple, um, and I believe blue is going to be added soon. And there's also a bunch of Dreamcast cases available uh, in many different configurations. The prices are going to range from about 70 to about 115 plus shipping, depending on which version you want with uh, whatever accessories. And they're going to be available both through GameTech and Muramasa Entertainment. Uh, Muramasa, I'm probably saying that wrong. My apologies. Um, when I first wrote the post, I had only seen GameTech's tweet. I didn't realize there were multiple stores, so my apologies. No, no disrespect whatsoever to Muramasa, um, but pick whichever store you prefer. Uh, check out whichever shells that you want. I don't think there's going to be any Model One shells coming soon, which stinks because I love my Model One. But I guess there's more Model Twos out there, so it makes sense. Um, And it looks really cool. I'm always a fan of clear cases. Um, I I picked up one of these for a friend of mine, and I managed to go out and find one with a case that was pretty beat up. So I'm not going to feel bad about swapping the case. I'll probably still clean up that case as best I can and and give it away to somebody that needs one. But um, you know, I I am a giant fan of these. Especially if you need to do any kind of case cutting, so there's the Spitif optical audio mod you could do. There's a you know a few other things that you could do to your Saturn if you want to. And I would never want to drill a hole in the plastic of my original consoles, um, even though I didn't get them new as a kid. Like I've had mine for almost eight nine years now, so I don't really want to give that one up. <laughs> um, and you know. I- I'm obviously the person who started no cup hashtag no cup mod. So this is way more important to me than a bunch of other people. I've just seen so many different iterations of mods over the years. You know, there was a, a, big wave where people were composite modding their consoles, and now people are RGB modding them and, you know, HDMI modding them, whatever there is, so now you just have a bunch of cartridge shells, or a console shells with Swiss cheese in the back of it. So I think if I got one of these, I, it would be the opposite. It's an aftermarket shell. It's designed to be new and different, and I would probably... Um, I'd actually be really interested to see if somebody could create a breakout board where you could just mount all of the outputs directly in the back uh, and drill holes right in these reproduction cases. Or maybe even the people making these cases would consider uh, having them pre-cut for stuff like this, especially the Dreamcast with DC HDMI. You know, with a, a really nice mold, you could have that look absolutely flawless in there without any sign that anything was cut in. You know, it would actually be molded from the factory. So hopefully the people that are making these cases are, are listening and would consider that stuff. I certainly know a bunch of friends that would be willing to design a, a quick and dirty PCB to break out composite, S-video, audio, and I guess in the case of Saturn, even digital audio, um, especially if somebody was willing to, to mod their case around something like this. So um, I ordered one. I'm definitely excited to try it out and see uh, what it looks like. I'll probably do a live stream of assembling it just for fun. Um, and if you'd like yours, just check out both links in the post and, uh, and choose whichever color that you'd like. Scarlet Sprites just posted a video going over his Sega STV arcade setup. And the Titan STV arcade board is essentially the arcade version of the Sega Saturn. It runs off of cartridges instead of discs, and there's a bunch of other small changes. And overall, it's a pretty awesome platform. But as with all arcade platforms, it could be really confusing for beginners to jump in. And heck, even intermediate arcade users, it could still be confusing sometimes. So I really, really appreciate videos like this. Um, he went through, you know, the the board itself plus game compatibility. Uh, he also showed the multi cart plus different options you could use for that, as well as the compatibility. Um, the acrylic plates, so you could have a case for it, which I, I do I do really appreciate not having to worry about shorting out the arcade board. Uh, I do think I do wish there were some more creative ways people would find to balance their boards and put supports in the middle, so there's less chance of warping. But um, the Lions Three acrylic plate is certainly an amazing place to start. Um, and also, he talks about the multi bias and uh, a pretty neat thing that breaks out stereo audio and the kick PCB um so that way you could use something like a cps kick harness rather than uh try to fumble with your own cables uh, if you don't know what any of that is check out the video and if you still don't know what any of that is i'll try to have some kind of super gun basics video at some point in the next six months or a year. It's just something that I, I really love and wanted to spend more time with, but it would be really time consuming to to go through all of that stuff. So I'm really happy that Scarlet Sprites did this. Um, and you know, anybody else that posts videos of how to set up an arcade board like this, they're always so helpful. Even if they don't get a ton of views, I guarantee people appreciate it. So thanks to Scarlet Sprites and everybody else that does videos like that. This next thing is more of an art project than a direct retro gaming thing, but I just thought it was so cool I had to kind of show it off. Um, A bunch of artists got together to what they're calling reanimate the cutscenes from all of the Zelda CDI games, and while the cutscenes are the same, they're all in different art styles, everything from hand-drawn to acting to uh, stop-motion. It's really cool to see, and it it kind of fits really well with the ridiculousness of some of these cutscenes. I was just really impressed overall at how they did it. Um, there's a, a Google Doc that shows every artist and exactly uh, what part they did and, and links back to them. Uh, but this is just really neat. If anybody's listening audio only and not watching the video of this, uh, I'm showing a preview of all the different types of animation that are in here. So. If you're into artwork at all and like retro games, this is probably worth sitting down and spending at least a few minutes admiring. Uh, And heck, even if you don't like retro games and you're even slightly into artwork style stuff, this was really cool and something I definitely wanted to share. Alex, aka Arcade TV, has been working on a bunch of patches for MSU-MD games for the Sega Genesis, and what these patches do is essentially like the MSU-1 releases for the Super Nintendo that replace the in-game audio with CD-quality audio. But the biggest difference here is that there actually was a CD platform for the Genesis, the Sega CD, so if you'd like to play these games, all you need is any way to run the ROM, so any ROM cart, even the cheapest ever drive, or you know, if, uh, if you you have the ability to flash your own cart that too, and as burn a CD to play the audio track on your Sega CD. Which I think it's really cool that you could pretty much use 100% real hardware on this. If you count, you know, burning your own uh, cartridge, that you know, I think that would count 100% real hardware to use it. And of course, you could also use it on emulation. I believe Genesis Plus GX. Uh, is the version of the software that Alex had tested it on. And of course, you could also use the Mega EverDrive Pro or Mega SD. And... He's currently working on a ton of different games, but at least at the time of writing this, uh, he's working on Castle of of Illusion, starring Mickey Mouse, both the US and Japanese versions. Um, And that replaces it with, uh, I believe it was the soundtrack from the uh, Xbox 360 version, the 2013 remake of it. Um, But he also added the arcade soundtrack to the Street Fighter II Remastered Edition that Gabriel Pyron just finished. Um, And, you know... This is all preference. There's no right or wrong way to like these or not like these. It's it's just my opinion that when you replace the game audio from original games, sometimes it's awesome, or sometimes I really just preferred the, the way that the sound developers created this music based on the limitations of the chips. So that's really hit or miss. But for me personally, every time I hear an arcade soundtrack on a console, most cases, there's always exceptions... All I think of is this is just a watered-down version of the arcade soundtrack. So having the Street Fighter II Remastered Edition have the actual Street Fighter II Champion Edition arcade soundtrack is really awesome. Because not only did Gabriel make it look closer to the original and really improve a bunch of things on the Genesis version, but now it sounds like the arcade version as well. So I was really excited about that. Hopefully games like Afterburner and a few others would get this. Uh, OutRun was already done a while back. So uh, this is just a, a very fun hack, and I'm really glad to see it happen. Uh, I believe it's also compatible with the Mister as well. I probably should add that to the list here. <laughs> I haven't had time to test on my mister yet, but uh, I'm assuming that it would be as well because the other audio patches for Genesis did. Uh, so thanks so much to Arcade TV, Alex for doing all these. Um, I just I'm always excited about different ways to experience games you already like and enjoy, and this is definitely up there with something you should try, especially if you already own one of the ROM carts, because at at that point you just dump it all into a folder and you're done. The Swiss team has posted a bunch more updates uh, since the last time. I try to give updates about once a month on these because the team is always working on improving the software, which is pretty incredible. Uh, The the biggest updates I think that stand out for your average user this time would be auto load. So I guess you could think of it similar to, you know, play the last game on a ROM cart. So on the EverDrives, you know, if you want to just play the last game you played, you could hit start. It's kind of that way too. Uh, you boot to the menu and I believe you could just press a button and start playing the game immediately the last game you played, or you could just cancel out and then go into the menu. So that certainly saves time for people that like to play one game and stick with it for a while. Um, and Also, they're continuing to work on rotational latency, which I believe, if I'm understanding this correctly, is a more accurate way to emulate not only just the read speeds of disks, but where the laser is and how long it takes for the laser to move back and forth. So anything from speedrunning uh, to people that are chasing accuracy to games that require that level of accuracy would be improved because you're essentially emulating the exact disc experience. Um, I believe there's one game, Tales of Symphonia, that are, that needs this in order to work properly from SD as opposed to at disc. Um, I th- I think that's I think I'm getting that right. To be perfectly honest, the people that work on Swiss are way smarter than me, so very often I'm just trying my best to be the middleman and. In Interpret the awesome stuff that they do and, and explain it in a way that most of us could get it. Um, the full, very long list of changes are down below for anybody that is interested. Um, it's always my opinion that, you know, unless for whatever reason you're burning all of these updates on disk, uh, if you're booting off of an SD card, or maybe you have an old version of Swiss on disk, but you're auto-loading off the SD card, it's my opinion just get the newest version and enjoy all of the updates to it. Even if you don't really know if there's any updates specifically out there that are going to affect your gaming, but overall it's just pretty awesome. And, uh, and for anybody that doesn't know, I probably should have opened with this, um, but Swiss is the Swiss army knife of tools for the GameCube, and it's a piece of software that I always use even when I'm using original discs because when you boot into it, you could do things like play games from different regions, uh, force video modes. I mean, there's, there's way too many features to, to really be able to list here, but it's an awesome tool that's not just for homebrew. Um, it's also for if you're using original discs, and of course, it's a big help if you're using... Game Boy interface as well. So, awesome piece of software. Thanks very much to the team to always continuing to support it. Uh, And links for everything you need are right in the post. Darksoft has just released an updated version of his CPS2 multi kit, which allows multiple games to be played on a single CPS2 arcade board. And this version focuses on installation updates. So functionality, once it's been installed, it's completely the same as the original kit. You're not gaining any features. However, the installation looks like it's a lot easier and there's a few steps that are cut out um, and a few things that you don't have to cut that are, pretty, uh, are easier to, to work with. Um, so basically, if you already have one of these installed, just leave it alone. But if you were thinking about getting one, now's the time to purchase because the installation's gonna be easier. The price is 500 plus shipping, which is not cheap, but, I mean, it's, you're getting quite a lot with this. So while it's not cheap, it's certainly a, a cool thing to have if you're an arcade platform fan, especially, obviously, the CPS2 games. Um, and they're available for, from two different distributors, as, as are most of the Darksoft products, one in the U.S. and one in Europe. So if you were looking to install a CPS2 Multi, um, definitely check this out. And I'm not sure if there's any, any real updates on the CPS1 Multi project, I think that was announced a few years ago, uh, so hopefully that's nearing completion at some point as well. A collector's edition containing both Ori games are now available for pre-order. Um, you could get it for either the Switch, the Xbox One, or the PC, and it's a box set that includes both Ori in the Blind Forests and Ori in the Will of the Wisps. Um, it looks like it's going to be pretty loaded with a whole bunch of different stuff, including an especially important physical copies of the games, no download cards. Although there is a digital download card for the soundtrack, but uh, when I first read the listing, I read it quickly and went, wait, you know, there's it's just digital cards? But no, it's original, you know, actual physical media, and then uh, the download card is for just the soundtrack as well, which is fair, I think. But um, it's 150 which is a bit expensive, so I, while I absolutely love both of these games, I'm not sure, you know, you'd have to be a huge fan to spend 150 especially because the um, just Xbox One Collector's Edition is 50 and the Definitive Edition of the original Ori and the Blind Forest is $15. So, you know, if you're just looking for hard copies of the game, uh, you could get them for Either less than fifty or less than seventy-five, if uh, if you want that other collector's edition. So the value certainly isn't there, but the collector's edition status of it is. Um, if these games are really important to you, it's definitely something to look into. I really did love both of these games, but I just I think that's a bit much for me, so I'm going to stick with just the CD versions of both. Um, and I actually played Will of the Wisps on my laptop connected to my TV. Uh, I have a twenty seventy mobile edition graphics card in the laptop. And it looked pretty amazing. I mean, rendering it in 4K, I thought it was absolutely stunning. And while it certainly wouldn't make the game bad playing it on the Switch, I really did appreciate the extra attention to detail and resolution. So uh, just an opinion. If you own both the Switch and the Xbox One, I would absolutely get the Xbox One version. Um, Or the PC if you're a PC gamer. So uh, pretty cool for as far as collector's editions go. Just a little bit pricey. Crix has posted a couple of firmware updates recently, one for the Mega Everdrive Pro and a couple for the Everdrive 64. Um, the Mega Everdrive Pro firmware updates were mostly bug fixes centered around the audio, which I think is amazing that Crix, even though it's already an awesome product, is still continuing to tweak it and use MD4A and really get the most accurate representation of a Genesis and Sega CD on there. Um, you know, I'm not sure at what level you'd call it perfect, but. I, I mean, it's certainly not taking away from the gameplay, in my opinion, at this point. So awesome that he's really sticking with it. Uh, Also, there's um, the two firmware updates for the EverDrive 64 had a lot of bug fixes and also implemented the new way of backing up save game files. So uh, this is the same thing that the Mega EverDrive Pro got about a month ago or or so. Uh, But the way it used to be is if you have a game that has a save file... When you shut off the console and you turn it back on, it's still in RAM. So, or it's still in the the uh, not saved back to your SD card. And uh, in order to get that saved to the SD card, you would have to load another game. And while it's not that big a deal, if you lose your battery, you know, if the battery dies inside of it, or if you're looking to transfer saves, it can be kind of a pain and he implemented the new way of doing it, where as soon as you go back to the menu, even if you just hit reset to go back to the menu, the save game file is then written to the SD card, which I think is an awesome feature, and I would really love to see Cricks implement that on all of the ROM carts at some point. I know he has a ton of ROM carts and a lot of important things to do, but it would be cool to see that in the rest of them as well. Um, if you're interested in any... uh information on the EverDrive Pro. Um, I have a full video out about that. I don't have a video out on the EverDrive 64, but I would like at some point soon to do a video, uh, comparing the, you know, the version two version three and the other ROM cart that's out there, uh, and see if there's any real material differences between them, but they're all good choices. So, uh, if you own one of these already, definitely grab the free firmware updates and make sure to update your cart. The YouTube channel Stray Fox just posted a documentary on the making of Street Fighter II, um, and I had never seen this channel before, but this randomly popped up in my YouTube feed, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, I then checked out some more videos from Stray Fox, and it seems all of the making-of series are equal in quality and, and have a bunch of really awesome info. I really like it when people talk about not just the history of the games, but the developers behind it, and, and kind of gives you a more inside or in behind-the-scenes look, I guess. This is probably the better way to to describe it. And, you know, I wrote in the post, and I I genuinely meant that I'm always really impressed about how people who are working on a passion project could make something that turns out better than a a big company with a big budget and a bunch of people hired to work on it. And I'm not directly digging the high-score documentary here. You know, it was a good documentary. It, It just... You could always tell the difference when you have a person or a group of people that really love the subject you're talking about and a group of people that are just working very hard to do a good job and you know just put out a good product, but don't have the same love for it that other people do. So I always want to make sure to, to help promote anybody making these kind of documentaries. We all do at retro RGB. We all write posts about the stuff that we enjoy like this in hopes to share it with others. So I think, um, you know, I think I have a new... Uh, they just gained a new fan in me for their documentary series. Also, there's a, apparently another Street Fighter documentary that's being teased. Um, I could be interpreting it wrong, but I get the impression that this newer one uh, is going to be focused more on the pop culture influence of Street Fighter and less of the technical behind-the-scenes stuff. So this is probably a better one to watch, the Stray Fox one for uh, for us nerds. But definitely check it out, and um, you know we'll all keep... Uh, keep posting about really awesome stuff like this that we all enjoy. I just posted a video on the newly released Retro Tink Mini, and I really wanted to try hard to structure this video um, for people that maybe have never even thought about retro gaming before. You know, maybe they just now are discovering their old consoles in their closet, or they just walked by a retro game store and bought a, a console bundle with a composite cable and a controller, and they just want to play them on their flat panel. Uh, Hopefully the video was still entertaining for people who watched my other videos and who are really here for all the in-depth technical stuff. I tried to throw a few things in here that that both might be kind of neat to see as well as are really good ways to to tell your friends why they might need to use different devices like that. So while it was focused on the RetroTink 2X Mini, it was also a video about why you need to use a scaler at all as opposed to just plugging it into your TV, assuming your TV even has analog video inputs in there. Um, I did cheat at one point, which a bunch of people have already pointed out. Uh, I used a TV that has a game mode buried in a different setting and used it as an example of a TV without game mode. Uh, totally cheated, I know, but I just I did not want to gather up all my camera equipment, get on a train, and go visit my friend in Connecticut who has one of the last TVs out there that still doesn't have a game mode. I didn't want to do all that just for 10 seconds of B-roll footage. So uh, I very uncharacteristically lied. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I get a pass. For this one because the point is true there's just the b-roll wasn't 100 percent accurate but i do i do appreciate when other experts are like no 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 there is a game mode there I, it always makes me smile but um i obviously i'm a fan of the retro products and i really do think this one is the best beginner's choice because you don't need anything you plug your cables in you plug this into the tv you don't even need a power connector you just plug this right into the usb port of your tv and that's it set your TV to game mode, and now you're playing your old games. You know, is composite through a retro tank on a 4K TV the sharpest way to experience it? No, not even close, but it's not the point at all. This is just a way to play your games without any lag, without that shakiness. Um, I do want to uh, have a video at some point about, you know, retro tank products explained, something that's like five minutes or less that just kind of sorts things out for people. Uh, if you're interested, I'll give you the short, short version now. The 2X Mini is perfect if you just have a bunch of consoles with the cables it came with and you just want to get started. The 2X Pro adds com- uh, component video functionality as well, as uh, including scan lines, low-res mode, uh, and a pass-through mode. So if you need those features, that's cool too. The 2X SCART is pretty much the same as the 2X Pro, but only accepts RGB SCART. So if you already have a SCART setup, that's your choice. The 2XM just got a ton of awesome features to the point where I haven't written it up yet, because I might do a video just on the new features, Uh, but that's a device that could take any of your classic consoles now at any resolution, 480p, 444, 720p, and 1080i, and send that to your TV, as well as deinterlace 480i and line double 240p. So that now, uh, I'm really debating too, do I delete the old video and re-upload it with a new ending? Do I have a follow-up video? But that's a game changer now. That means you legitimately could have up your PlayStation 2, your Xbox, your um, your Wii, your GameCube if you already have the component cables, but I, I still think a Carby is probably a better solution for that. Um, and I guess even the Dreamcast, if the HD Retrovision cables are ever released, and you could support all resolutions that all of those consoles output, um, and you could, you know, and have it look the way that they should. So all very, very awesome features, and I'm very excited about that one. Um, and, you know, of course, there's always different retro RetroTink products to come in the future at some point. So maybe I'll do a quick video summing up all that stuff and throwing some fancy b roll so it's easy to watch, but... Overall, uh, you know, just thanks to Mike Chi for continuing to make and support these. You know, no one was no one was forcing him to do all these awesome firmware updates that gives these free features to existing products, um, and I always praise developers that do that. I talk always about how Cricks does it, uh, and it's just a very cool thing to be able to buy something that you're like, yeah, I think this is a good fit for me, and then a month later you get a firmware update that you're like, wow, it could do that too, so... Thanks very much to Mike to continuing to update these. Um, and please share the video because I'm really proud of this one. I really think that it is... It's a gateway drug for for newcoming retro gamers, if you will. Um, and at the very least, even if somebody buys this and then six months later go, you know, I really do want RGB, there's still a ton of different uses for this. I talk about it a little bit at the end of the video as well. So this is certainly an investment that's worth spending money on. And I would always, always recommend saving up a little bit longer and spending the money on this than buying those absolute garbage HDMI plug-and-play cables or that composite video-to-HDMI scaler that adds like a million frames of lag on it. So, uh, cool product, um, and, you know, please share and, and spread the love for all this retro gaming stuff. Well, that's it for this week. As always, thanks so much to everybody that watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thanks to everybody that supports on services like Patreon and Floatplane, because without your help, none of the research that goes into any of this, none of these videos and this weekly podcast would never happen. So thank you all so much, and I'll see you next week.